Welcome, this is Jessica Ortner and our time together is dedicated to feeling good within all of life's complexities. We'll be going on a wandering path, exploring topics like spirituality, productivity, and personal fulfillment. Because happiness is not a destination, it's an adventure. So welcome to Adventures in Happiness. Welcome to episode 26. Once again, I'm thrilled that you are joining me. We have a great guest today, Katie Dalebout. She is a podcast host, an author, a blogger. Her book is called Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling. So in this interview, you are going to learn about journaling and so much more because this is the deal. We are listening to these podcasts, we're reading these books, and we have a long list of things that we feel like we should do in order to improve our life. How do we figure out what's worth doing, what we should pass on? How do we even figure out what's going on, what's wrong, the best way to address it? Being able to journal and have a conversation with yourself can be so therapeutic and eye-opening. So if you're like me and you're not naturally a journaler, I don't know if that's the word, journaler, (laughs) if you don't usually journal very often, um, this is really helpful. And if you love to journal, Katie's work is also fantastic because when you have good questions, you'll get good answers. And journaling is so much more fun and it's easier when you can ask yourself the right questions. So we talk about that and we also talk about a common challenge which is comparing ourselves to other people and judging uh, other or judging ourselves really based on that comparison and the, the jealousy that can creep up. We live in a world where we are surrounded with other people's lives. So there's Facebook and there's Twitter and there's Instagram. And so often we're looking at these other people doing all these wonderful things and suddenly we feel that we're not good enough or that it's unfair or that we're missing out. If you relate to this, we go through a really great exercise and you can get that whole exercise written out at thetappingsolution.com forward slash notes. In that area, in the note section, you can get that whole process to follow along with. So enjoy it. I don't have any big life news. Life is awesome. I hope your life is great. If you enjoy this podcast, let me know and share it. This is an act of love, so spread the love. Enjoy the show. I want to catch up with you as I'm recording. So. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, first off, I was looking at Skype when I was about to call you to record this, and I saw that in 2013 you interviewed me about, I don't know, if, no, my book wasn't out yet, but you were interviewed me about tapping on your podcast, and here we are with the roles <laughs> reversed, and you have an incredible book. So first off, just congratulations. It's incredible to see all you've done in the last few years. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Jess. Yeah, this is such a full circle special moment for me because, as you said, in 2013, I was a huge, and still am, of course, a huge fan of your work, and you know, found tapping through you. And I remember watching your videos and being like, wow, this tapping thing is cool. But this girl is really special and nice and cool. And that was like why I like tapping because I was like, you're so cool and nice. And and I had (laughs) just started my podcast at that time. I mean, I barely had a podcast. There was like four people listening at that time. And I'm so grateful. And I talk about this all the time to people who now ask me because now my podcast has lots of listeners. And it, you know, back then, though, there was no serial, like there were no podcasts that really like popularized podcasts, even though that was just three years ago, or Mm -hmm. just over three years ago, it was still such a new platform. and Nobody really knew what they were, or at least I felt like it. And so I'm so grateful for the guests that decided to say yes to me being this person who was like, hi, I, you know, am barely out of college and I'm starting this podcast and will you come on it and give me an hour of your time for free? (laughs) And you said yes. And I'm so grateful that you did and, and the people early on that said yes to me that first season because 
even though you were very busy, you humbly gave me your time. And it really forced me to be like, oh, as soon as you said yes, and, and people that said yes that first season, I was like, oh, I actually have to do this now because they said yes. And, and it forced me to be consistent with it. And then now the beauty of it is that, you know, even though we recorded that three years ago, people still give me compliments on that episode, Jess. And oh. It still helps people now to this day because people will find the episode now or find the podcast now and they'll go back through my archive. And so now that episode that maybe originally was only listened to by a couple hundred people when it first came out is now listened to by thousands of people right. who go back through the archive. So thank you. <laughs> well, you you said that you wanted me on the show because you saw something, something special in me. And I said yes, because I saw something very special in you. Mm. And when I see your journey, one of the things that I really love about you and your work is that when you were just starting off, you were so enthusiastic about sharing other people's messages. And you were so encouraging and supportive of other people and and. I felt that. I felt like, oh, this is a woman who really wants to get positive messages out there to the world. And that's the reason I said yes. So I'm so happy to hear that your podcast Mm. is doing so well. Another great lesson in that short story is the power of just starting even before you have an audience, even before you even have it figured out. But starting a project knowing that as long as you start, you'll you'll figure it out on the journey. Yeah, and I think it's always about like – People ask me so often now, you know, how did you get Jessica Ortner to be on your podcast and Gabby Bernstein and Tara Styles and all these people? And my answer is always like, I just asked, you know, I humbly said, you know, your work is really meaningful to me. I'm really grateful for you. And it would be cool if you came on my podcast. I'm okay if you don't. You know, I wasn't like right. begging them and I wasn't stalking them and I was just being myself. But I also, I think the thing that made people say yes is the fact that. I was genuine. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. like I found their work and I was like, oh, this person has a lot of followers. Cool. I'll ask them to be on my podcast. It was like, no, I, I read their books and I did their work and I, I followed their message. And and now I, I still do that. You know, the people I have on my podcast, they've become way more diverse. And because I my interests have become way more diverse. And Jess, I think you and I spoke about this um, on the last interview we did together on the Hay House World Summit, where we talked a bit about self-help exhaustion and mm-hmm. overwhelm with all of that. And just being a more well-rounded person, I think my guests have become more diverse and more unique, which I think is really great. But I still look at myself as this curator where it only works if I truly am fascinated and intrigued and wanting to have this conversation with this person because as you know as someone who and we talked about this I remember in 2013 because you're such an inspiration to me as an interviewer that it works best if you actually are a student of the person's work or you've experienced their work in some way and it's meaningful to you, you'll have a way better interview than if it's just someone, you know, I, people ask to come on my podcast all the time and, and I say, at first I was saying yes to everyone because I was like, oh my God, people are listening. Sure, of course, you know, (laughs) and I just thought it was cool. And then I realized that that's not good for the message and it's not good for my audience because they trust me as a curator to bring them a diverse group of people. But the through line through all of those people is that I've hand selected them and that they're meaningful to me and my taste, my preferences come through. And so now I'm, you know, I'm very particular on who gets to come in that space because when they come into that space, they're in people's earbuds for an hour. I mean, that's my favorite part of podcasting is that People are actually spending time with us right now, right. you know, in their cars. And Thank you for and- spending time with us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. And I love what you said. You have to be a student of the work. And it's so true. Every time a show comes out, I read. I don't have anyone on the show. Um, and I don't talk about a book I haven't read. And it's, mm-hmm. it's and I didn't think I was special. I thought that was normal until a guest uh, thanked me for reading their book, which I was like, really? Why would you yeah. thank me? Oh, because a lot of people are sharing the work but not doing the work themselves. So, yay us. <laughs> no, I completely understand. And to be honest with you, I've been interviewed on some podcasts lately myself, quite a few, and a lot of people didn't read my book, or a couple at least. And, and that's okay, and I understand we're all busy, but 
it definitely was interesting when I was explaining something that they not only like didn't know about, but were saying kind of the opposite of something that I said in the book, you know, and it was just kind of interesting. Right, right. And and I hope people tune in to these to both our podcasts, knowing that just like them, we're students. So we're yeah. we're really all a team here, you know, going through this this adventure. Um, yeah. Well, a lot of what you said actually leads me really nicely to the first question that I have for you. You touched upon just a moment ago, just this this self help exhaustion, mm-hmm. and there's a a two lines in your book that really stood out to me. You wrote. I was meditating out of necessity and fear and obligation and fear as my motivation could only get me so far. So we're going to be going into the power of journaling uh, in this episode, but I want to start here. Uh, So here is my question. Many of us are students, like we've just talked about, and we're reading these self-help books and we are doing so because we want to improve our lives. How can that desire backfire. Mm, Yeah. I mean, I think for people who are very much go-getters and perhaps perfectionistic and just maybe even overachievers or people who are, are good with discipline, or even if you're not, but if you know, if you've heard over and over again that something's good for you, it's relatively easy to put it on your list, right? Mm -hmm. And just be like, this is something that I need to do. And if I do this, then I'm okay. Then I'm good, right? Like then I can check it off the list. And I think that doing that is one step. And I think it's important to, to do that step and to some extent. And then to actually follow through on it is a whole separate step. And a lot of us can do that. You know, we can put on our to-do list to meditate and then actually finding the time to meditate is a different story, but then you can do that. And then you can actually meditate and check it off the list and be done with it, right? And you can be like, all right, I am good today because I did this thing that some guru somewhere, the internet, wherever, told me that it was the good thing to do, right? But it's a very different thing to actually want to do this thing and know that it helps you and know that it feels good for you and to put it on the list and do it for the motivation of you're okay whether you do it or not. You are good enough whether you do it or not, but this enriches your life and you want to do it. You have this desire to spend a little bit of time journaling or go on this walk to move your body in an intuitive way or to read a little bit of this book or to have this conversation or to do these things that enrich your life. Doing it from a place of loving yourself, loving your body. And I know just you and I, and, and I think one of the reasons I connect with you so much is, is our mutual struggles with body image. And I think with that, there's so much connection with what we're talking about here and with food and eating and exercise and doing it from a place of love rather than fear. Everything you do in life from a place of love rather than fear. But I think especially with these practices that we know are good for us, you know, when mm-hmm. you're I I for so long was, like I wrote in the book, you know, meditating from this place of if I don't do this, I am wrong. So I'm going to just suck it up and I'm just going to do it. And even if I it's like a huge struggle, I'm just going to do it. And even though I really want to enjoy this, you know, something filled with gluten or whatever it is, right, I'm going to sit on my hands and I'm going to not do it because that is what a good wellness person does, you know. And it's like that is just silly. And like we only have so many sensory pleasures in life and to deny any of them is silly. And I think we should really embrace life and practice this approach of love over fear. And I, and I, that to me includes moderation. And I think in my case, and I think for a lot of people, it's much, much easier to completely practice this sense of not having balance and really practicing restriction can be at times easier than actually practicing moderation and balance and moving towards that because sometimes it's easier to just say, you know, I'm going to do this thing so I can check it off my list than rather to say, you know, if I if I find the time to do that and I feel like doing it, I'm going to make I'm going to make time for that because I know it enriches my life. So I know I kind of am sounding like two contradictions there, but I hope it makes sense on 
changing the motivation might not mean changing the action. Does that make sense? It does. And it shows the power of the power of intention that sometimes the intention behind a behavior is more important than the actual behavior. Because if we're doing something out of a fear of uh, we're not good enough or pressure or anxiety, if we're drinking that green drink every morning because we think we're unworthy if we don't, Mm -hmm. um, we, we struggle. We put a lot of a lot of rules um, on ourselves without even realizing it. And the word that that I think people need to look out for is that word should. Like I should be yeah. meditating and I should be tapping more and I should be eating better and we should all over ourselves uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, we just get overwhelmed with information. And so yeah. you, you were in a state where you were a self-help junkie, right? Mm-hmm. I can, like, you oh, yeah. were just consuming the books and the podcasts, and you were trying to incorporate a million different things, a million different uh, ways of being a better person, yeah. a million different ways to be healthier, and all in that, um, that kind of anxiety fueled you to try all these different things, and you felt overwhelmed, and and you you write about feeling like you lost your own voice. So can you tell me about what you did in order to begin to organize your own thoughts to realize what works for you? Yeah, I think that it's such an interesting thing that I think I've since I've been speaking about this, a lot of people can relate to, but it wasn't really articulated all that often or I didn't see. And like like you said, you know, I was really taking in so much information and I understood it intellectually, but it wasn't like within me, right? I wasn't really applying it. And I was, I realized that I needed to go out in the world more, right? I needed to like apply the information. And I think that was really scary for me because it felt like I was letting go of something. You know, I, when you're just constantly filling your brain with Wayne Dyer and Jessica Ortner and Gabby Bernstein and, you know, all these famous self-help gurus and authors and I love them all and they're all amazing. But when I was using it from a place of it was almost becoming my entertainment and it was becoming my everything. It was everything to me. It was becoming my they were my friends, you know, like it was like preventing me from loneliness by just filling myself up with inspirational content. But as soon as I turned them off, I was alone with my own thoughts and I was alone with myself. And that was scary. And that was when I was, you know, hoping I could apply that information, but it wasn't really, I wasn't really applying it. I was just taking it in and I felt good when I was listening to it or when I was reading or when I was learning. But when I wasn't, I felt dreadfully lonely and I felt confused and I felt overwhelmed. And I honestly felt like I had so far to go because I was comparing myself to these people who in my mind had everything all figured out. Even though they shared their own struggles, they had overcome them. And I realized that I didn't even know who I was or what I liked or what my hobbies were beyond personal growth and self-development. And I needed to reconnect with who I was as a person. And I was journaling a lot at that time. And that was a huge thing that helped me. And then to be honest, also, other than that, it was filling my mind with other things, other things other than personal growth and self-help. A big thing for me that helped me out a lot, which I know is something that you enjoy as well, was getting into comedy and listening to switching up just the podcast that I listened to and listening to more comedy podcasts. And, you know, Pete Holmes show, who I know you had on your podcast, you made it weird, was like a really inspirational podcast for me because it wasn't solely about self-help and spirituality and inspiration. It was about a lot of other things. And I laughed and I got to understand myself more as a person by seeing myself. It helped me see myself by hearing other people tell their stories. And so that was really helpful for me. And then also, you know, just doing things purely for fun and purely for pleasure. I got to figure out, you know, what is it that I even like? You know, I started taking improv classes and I started hanging out with friends more and I started dating. I had gone through like a big breakup during that time, which was part of the reason I was so obsessed with personal growth. And, And so I just started to live my life more and, you know, taking in entertainment that wasn't personal growth. And, and then, you know, Pete Holmes, our, our mutual, I'll say friend. <laughs> um, he seems like he's my friend cause I hang out with him so often on his podcast, but he says this great line. And I don't even know if it's his line, but he says, you have to live a life worth commenting on. 
And to me, you know, he says that from the standpoint of a comedian, like you have to go out and get the content to write your jokes. And I think we all need to live a life worth commenting on, whether it's, you know, whether we're comedians or whether we're writers or whether we're singers. I mean, Taylor Swift wouldn't have any hit songs if she hadn't been through stuff, you know, if she hadn't, you know, lived life. And it's the same thing for all of us, whether we're actively writers or creators. And, you know, I don't know what my next book will be or my next project will be. But I do know that right now I'm just really happy with living my life and going to get copy. And Nora Ephron is one of my favorite people in the world. And I I recently just watched the documentary on her on HBO Go. It's called Everything is Copy, which is a line that she would say all the time. You know, her her son would come in with like a scraped knee and she'd be like, everything is copy, you know. So I think looking at your life as an artist from a point of no matter what happens to you, whether it's challenging, whether it's something that makes you feel elated, it's wonderful because it's content that you can use. It's copy. And I think it's important to just have this conversation so that we have the balance. You know, if you're in a if you're in a workplace where everyone's speaking negative all the time, sometimes you need the positive podcast to balance it out. Yeah. Sometimes you get so into uh, self help and personal development that you are trying to fix uh, yourself when really what you need to realize is that nothing is broken. That when you give yourself an opportunity to live your life, you're able to uh, experience the joy that you've been searching for. You know, sometimes we have to stop. Uh, trying to be happy and just allow ourselves to be happy. So I think it's a good conversation to know that there's a place for all of it, but just check in and make sure that the intention is right, that if you're listening to this kind of information, uh, it's because it feels good, not because you feel something needs to be fixed. Uh, Yeah. So talking about, you know, staying on this topic of, of journaling, so you started to you know, sit down with a notebook and it gave you the the ability to sort out your own thoughts, to see what works for you. And you uh, teach people about the power of journaling. What would you say to someone who feels like they're not a writer, that they're not quite sure that journaling can help them sort their own thoughts? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'd say I wrote a book for you. <laughs> And secondly, you know, the reason I wrote this book is because I started journaling randomly. I was actually surrounded by mentors and coaches and and teachers and therapists in my life at this certain point because I was going through something and I felt so alone through all of that even though I was surrounded by people and I found myself with a gift card in a bookstore in the self-help section per usual being like, I've read everything in here. I've done all this. I don't know where to turn to next. What am I going to use this gift card on? And then I just like took a beeline to the stationery section and bought this colorful journal and I had no clue why. But I spent that summer writing in this journal and it made me feel relief. It was cathartic to me to be raw and unfiltered with myself. And then I started recommending it to other people and so many people were saying to me just that, you know, I'm not a writer, I wouldn't have anything to say, blah, blah, blah. And I realized that I'm not really a writer and I didn't really have anything to say, but somehow I felt relief. And I would say to people, you know, this type of writing is innate to us. It's simply writing as we speak. If you can write a text message, you can journal. If you can send an email, you can journal. It's essentially having a conversation with yourself, with your intuition, maybe with your higher self. And this type of writing should feel easy. It should feel like having a conversation with a friend. And a really great way to get started with that if you if it feels uncomfortable, which it often does, and it often will continue to feel uncomfortable, and that's okay. But a great way to get started with it is to simply ask yourself a good question. And when you ask yourself a good question, you allow your inner guidance to come forth and talk to you. You allow for your clarity to come through and talk to you. You allow yourself to find clarity and even self-soothe yourself, kind of self-coach yourself. And that allows you to have that clarity, take that with you out of the journal into your life so you can go deeper with your coaches or your therapists or your friends or your family and you know what kind of conversations you need to have. And it just honestly, Jess, I feel like journaling helps you become more of yourself. 
it helps good people become better people. You know, it helps bad people stay bad. You know, it just helps you wherever you are in life. It's going to bring out more of you because it's going to make you more of who you are. And I think that's the beauty of this practice. And, and that's why I love it because it helped me develop the self-awareness. So when you ask yourself a good question, you'll get a good answer. And the way that, you know, something else to note about getting started is, like I said, it's, it is uncomfortable. And that, that means you're doing it right. You know, I think it, journaling forces you to put that mirror up in your face where you're really looking at what's going on in your mind. You're looking at your thought patterns. You're looking at maybe your negativity. You're looking at your darkness perhaps and you're literally staring at it. You know, you're getting it out of your head onto the page and then you can sort through it and decide what's true and and what is old limiting beliefs you're ready to let go of and and doing that is really beneficial but also uncomfortable. It's kind of like going to the gym. It's like it doesn't when you have been going to the gym for like five weeks or something or a year, whatever. Like it doesn't mean you go to the gym and suddenly it's like so easy and you don't like get a pain in your stomach after you do a bunch of abs. Like you still will feel like a sensation. It just is easier because you know what you're doing from the first time, but it doesn't mean that there's not discomfort there. It doesn't mean that you don't have to push yourself. And I think that's the same thing with the journaling practice. Sometimes you're not going to want to do it. And sometimes I don't want to do it. And that's okay. But there, after a while, I'll know I need to process something and I'll give myself the time and space to do it. And I'll push myself to do it. Right. Well, you said something that was really important. And it's something I learned from your book. Because I'm, I will admit, I'm not naturally... Um, a journaler like I have had moments where I've journaled Um, I definitely I've had a five-year journal before where I wrote every uh, every day for five years actually but it was just a few sentences Mm-hmm. But I don't consider my someone uh, someone who just kind of sits with a journal. And what was really interesting about your book and about your work is it's it's really about the questions. So if you feel stuck as to okay, I'm sitting in front of a bl- blank page, how is this going to serve me? By having a powerful question, you'll get that powerful answer. I'd love to go into an exercise, but before we do that, what is one of your favorite questions to ask yourself? Like what's a question you love to put at the top of the page and to answer by journaling? So this is really simple, but honestly, the one that I start with on most days is simply, how are you feeling? Because how often do people truly ask us how we're feeling and we give them a great, you know, true, authentic, unfiltered answer. You know, when you're talking to yourself, essentially, through journaling, you can really be that raw, unfiltered version of yourself and actually kind of get in there and figure out what's going on. It's like taking an x-ray of the thoughts in your mind and getting them onto the paper. And then you can look at this and be like, oh, I'm feeling this way because this person said this thing at lunch and it made me feel awkward or, you know, this weird relationship thing or my pants fit weird earlier or whatever it is, right? But, you know, if you don't ask yourself what your emotions are and how you're feeling, you can't really get to the root of maybe why you're feeling that way. And then from there, put yourself in a place of power of, oh, I want to pivot out of feeling this way and change why I'm feeling this way and take action to change that with awareness you well this is what i'm trying to say awareness is the first step to change so by first writing out how you're feeling you'll become aware of it and then you can potentially change it or if it's amazing find gratitude for it and figure out how to stay there yes yeah that's awesome i want to go into this exercise that's in your book that i really loved and it if it's really well with what we were talking about earlier when it comes to uh, to self-help and how you said there was a moment where you looked at other authors and speakers and it's like you separated yourself from them. You thought, okay, they have it figured out. They're better than I am. Uh, there was this really, you were comparing yourself and this section in your book is called Compare and Despair. So before we go through the exercise, can you tell me about how comparison showed up in your life and how you you pivoted to something different? Yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, comparison has been something that I've struggled with my whole life. And if in the in the intro to this tool, I actually used to call it 
before I called it compare and despair, I called it concern yourself with you because that was a mantra that my mom told me all the time as a kid. And I was constantly being like, you know, Sally has this outfit and, you know, this person did this in school and this person got this award and this person has this boyfriend and this person has this car and whatever all the time, right? And my mom would always be like, concern yourself with you, concern yourself with you, you know, it's like eyes on your own paper. And it was so challenging for me to hear at the time, but it was so true. And as soon as you start to look at other people and compare where you are to where they are or what they have to what you have, it's a recipe to feel bad about yourself. You know, it's a recipe to feel real, real bad about yourself. Right. And that's really something that has just carried with me through my life. And and I'm constantly, you know, looking at somebody else's podcast and being like, man, you know, I started before them and, and look at how amazing it is. And I always now stop myself because I know that's just a recipe for disaster and it's just going to mm-hmm. make you feel bad. And I think it's really important to know that, you know, there are people comparing themselves to you too and you're really awesome. And anytime you try to compare yourself to someone else, you're not allowing yourself to see yourself for the good parts of you. And then whenever you start to compare yourself to someone else, know that the any light you see in them is simply a reflection of the light within you. And because you can see their light and you might feel jealousy or you might feel like you're comparing yourself to them in some way, all that means is that there is that light somewhere in you that's unawakened. And when mm-hmm. I first like realized that, it really changed my perspective on everything. And, and it was like very powerful for me. So that's kind of where this came from. Right. One of the things I wrote in my book, uh, a quote that's actually been shared quite often is that jealousy is just a longing to step up into your own power mm-hmm. or something. I might be quoting myself wrong, but I said <laughs> something like that. That's, well, that's beautiful. That's that great. But when you, when instead of having a, a moment where you, you feel jealous, I mean, because l- let's be real, all of us kind of slip into that sometimes. We see it and we suddenly feel jealousy when we can pivot, like you said, I love that word, uh, and begin to realize that jealousy is just trying to wake us up to our own power. This is there's something here and maybe there's something that we can learn from this other person or or recreate it. And you really show that this is possible in this exercise. I want to go through these questions. Anything that we should know before we, we dive into this process? Yeah. So in the intro to this process, I share the little story about my mom, which I already shared. But there's this other part I hope I can share here just really quick, which is from Conan O'Brien. And he says in a commencement speech that he gave at Dartmouth that the comedians of his generation that were coming up all desperately wanted to be the next David Letterman. They were constantly comparing themselves to David Letterman. And he remarked in the speech, he says, it is our failure to become our perceived ideal that ultimately defines us and makes us unique. And I found that to be so deeply profound in a lesson of authenticity where, you know, we have to concern ourselves with our own truth and try not to emulate somebody else's truth. And I think the bottom line is that, you know, really when you're trying to, when you're comparing yourself or you're trying to be a version of someone else, you're denying people the special parts of you that only you have. And so if you can really get into who you are and develop that self-awareness with who you are, then it allows you to become that and it allows you to stop trying to emulate someone else and have the awareness and the confidence to really just focus on who you are and whatever is in you that isn't being expressed. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what I recommend, I will put these questions in in the note section, but let's go through them now and if someone really wants to dive in and, and do this process what is the ideal setup? Do we need to have a certain amount of time? Do we need a special journal? Do we set, uh, do we turn off our phone? What should we do to have the best experience? Yeah, I mean, I think that you can really be gentle with yourself. I, I don't like to make too many rules around journaling, telling people to only do it in the morning or only do it in the evening or do it for this amount of time. I, I like to have some flexibility, but I think 
ideal conditions would, yeah, would be to give yourself at least some time, you know, maybe half an hour or so that can be dis- distraction free. If you have the ability to be able to turn your phone on airplane mode for a little while, I turn my phone on airplane mode like 90% of the time whenever I'm trying to get anything done. So I think that would be, you know, a nice treat for yourself to be able to do that. And the, the thing I love most about journaling is that it forces you to be in the present moment, right? There's so few things in our lives now that really force us to be present. You know, you can be listening to a book while you're driving a huge piece of machinery. You know, you can be walking while you're listening to this podcast. You can multitask all day long, but with journaling, you have to just be doing one thing and be completely present. So just find a space where you can be completely present. You can do this particular tool in a notebook. You can do it on a legal pad. You can do it on your computer. Wherever it feels most comfortable for you, I think is completely fine. There's something really powerful to me about the hand to paper movement. However, you know, that's not completely necessary for this. Right. Oh, that's good to know. Before we go into the process, um, within the process, you you talk about two different things. One is you're someone comparing themselves um, with someone else and feeling less than, and also the reverse side, you comparing yourself and thinking that you're better than someone else. I mm-hmm. think for this, I'd love to, because I think it's probably a little bit more common, is that comparing yourself and feeling less than. But before we go into that, why did you feel it's important to address this other side of comparison? Yeah, so originally this was two separate tools, but I really thought it was really interesting to put it together because, as you know, any time you are making yourself more special than someone else or you are making someone else more special than you and putting them on a pedestal, you are creating separation. And you are making yourself smaller or bigger. And either way, it might sound like, oh, when you're making yourself better than someone, that seems nice. But it really isn't. It it doesn't allow the relationship to be deep. And I, I have lots of examples of this in my own life with, you know, making someone more special than me. And I have found that whenever I do that, that relationship can't be very deep because I come off as a fangirl. I come off as someone who, you know, might be humbly grateful for their work, but just not someone that they can have a deep connection or friendship or be vulnerable with because I've placed them on this pedestal. But as soon as I'm able to take them off the pedestal and be like, they're just a person and I'm just having a conversation with them and we're we're both really great. We're both really awesome. We're both the same. We come from the same stuff, right? We both have the ability to be great. When you can have that confidence with yourself, you can have such a deeper relationship. And the same thing is true on the other end. If you've made yourself more special, you will come off as better than and not be able to have a deep relationship with someone who's looking up to you. Whereas you're just like, hey, I'm just like you. We can be friends. You can actually have a deeper relationship. So this is a tip to be able to be more authentic and real in your relationships and your life as you do both sides of this tool. Right. Fantastic. So in this case, just focusing on the comparison where we begin to feel less than somebody else and we're putting someone else on the pedestal, what are the questions that we should ask ourselves as we start this journaling journey? Yeah. So, okay. So the first step that I make out here is to make a list of all the people that you're comparing yourself to and, you know, really examining how you're separating yourself from these people and just just making that list is is really the first step and then so can you give me some examples like when you did this or if you've had a client do this what are some answers yeah so this can really vary so this can be you know a sibling that you compare yourself to maybe your sibling is younger than you but has you know a job that is you know, something that you aspire to, or it can be someone that you don't know, but you know, in like an internet sort of way. I know that it's very easy to compare yourself on the internet to other people doing really cool things. And you can be like, wow, this person has done so much at such a young age, or this person, you know, has done so much in their life. You know, I know for me, sometimes one bucket of your life can be very filled while 
other buckets of your life really aren't filled. You know, I'll be more specific and I'll use myself as an example. I found that I was so focused on my work and my creative work that and my career was going really well. You know, I, I had these things and I was doing relatively well with my podcast and my book. But I realized I like woke up one day and I was like, oh, my gosh, my life isn't really that great. You know, my relationships really aren't that great. And I'm not really that happy with where I'm living and what I'm doing and my hobbies. And so I realized that that bucket of my life was being not taken care of, not tended to as much as the career bucket. So we only have so much water to give around, right? So I had to take a bit of the water from the career bu- bucket and, you know, redistribute that. So I was filling up my life bucket a little bit more. And that made me more well-rounded and therefore better for the work in general. So I think it's really understanding that somebody else is, might be focusing on the career bucket, but you never know what's actually going on in their in their life. So to know that you comparing yourself to them is just really premature. You know, you don't know everything that's happening in their life. If maybe you're comparing your relationships to one person and your career to another and your style to another and your physical body to another yet, you know, there's so many different things and different avenues and and you don't know what's going into that person having that specific body or, you know, they could be struggling. Like you have no idea. So I think it's really important to just know that, you know, you might be comparing yourself to several different people in several different ways and just becoming aware of that. And it might, you know, you might even want to like put this in the back of your mind and go out and like live a day and then notice, oh, I was comparing myself with that person at work. I'll write that down tomorrow. Or, oh man, whenever I see this person's Instagram, I just feel really shitty about myself, you know, or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. I love that. All right. So that's the step one. And I love that process of just having the intention to have that awareness throughout an entire day. So step one is to make a list of the people that you most compare yourself to. Mm Mm-hmm. And and what's interesting is this could be people that you know personally or that you don't know personally. Yeah, exactly. Which is important to notice. All right. So what about step two? Okay. So once you determine if you're making yourself, you know, more special or less special like we talked about before, the next thing to do is answer these questions um, and under, to understand a bit more. So I'll just start to read them off now and people can do this with us and pause this or come back to it and Jess is going to handle this by putting it in the show notes as well. So here's the first question. What is it within you that feels insecurity around this person that you're comparing yourself to? So I'll read it one more time. What is it within you that feels insecurity around this person you're comparing yourself to? So just get really honest and real with yourself about what that is. And then the next one is, what is it within you that makes you feel like you need to perceive yourself as better than him or her? So really getting to the core of that. And then the next one is, in what ways are you both equal? So this one might be challenging because you've put them so high on a pedestal that you're really pressed to find ways that you're equal. But at the end of the day, you're both just people. You know, we've all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? So really just seeing your similarities rather than your differences, seeing how you're the same, that you're both just people, recognizing your similarities rather than your differences is really crucial here. And then the next one is, how can you see him and him or her with love instead? So how can you find gratitude and love for this person rather than making them special and comparing yourself? So that's, um, that's that part. And then when you're done, um, the next part is to move on to some more questions. Um, and this is really interesting. It's, um, you know, what specific qualities and attributes do you find most inspiring about this person you're comparing yourself to? So that can be, you know, a long list. It might just be a few things. And so say you're writing down, they seem so confident, uh, they take uh, so much action, they're more successful. When you, when you have that answer, what are the kind of aha moments? How does those answers help you? So that example that you gave is so great. So if someone's really confident, if someone's taking action, 
why is that person doing it and you're not? Like, dude, you can you can be confident. You can cultivate confidence in yourself. You can take action. You're we're all capable of taking action. So instead of using those things as things to compare yourself to, you can be like, okay. It's to inspire to. Exactly. It can be like a to-do list for you. You can be like, I'm comparing myself to this person for these reasons, but it's like, oh, they're really confident. I need to work on my confidence. And then you can go and like figure out ways you can work on your confidence and what those would be for you. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Perfect. So sh- so we have some more questions. More questions. Yeah. So here's a couple more. So what is he or she mirroring back to you regarding qualities that are within you but are perhaps unawakened? So that goes to that point I was saying before that anything you see in someone else that you might be jealous of, that you might be comparing yourself to is really just qualities unawakened within you. So really getting clear on that. And then here's another question that kind of speaks to what we were talking about before. How can you look at him or her as a positive example of inspiration? I mean, here we're switching jealousy to inspiration. That's a huge yeah. shift. Huge shift. Totally. And really go slow with these tools. I mean, we're going through this really fast right now because it's a podcast. But the lovely thing about that is that you can pause this. And, and I really recommend with this tool really taking your time, you know, giving yourself a full hour, giving yourself some time to really ponder these things and not rushing through it. So another question here is how can you embrace ways that you are unique from him or her and love those qualities about yourself? So this is a really important question that I've had to ask myself multiple times when I've been comparing myself to close mentors of mine and being like, well, I'm actually really different from this person. And that would make me sad because I want to be them, right? It's like, you know, I when I was first getting started, Gabby Bernstein inspired the heck out of me. And she still does. She's amazing. She wrote the forward for my book. Like, she's a huge mentor of mine and, and friend of mine now. However, I look at my differences from Gabby as strengths of mine. You know, not that Gabby's not amazing, but because we're just different people. And the things that I bring that are different from her can allow, you know, myself to shine and allow things to touch more people because we are different and our stories are different and our lives are different. And I think that that's really a pro, not a con. And so that's what this question allows you to see. Perfect. And the next one is, in what ways are you both equal? So really focusing on, you know, how you are the same and what qualities that you see in them that you also possess and how you can continue to use those and amp those up in your life. And, you know, a next one is very similar to that, but just asking yourself, can you find common humanity with him or her? So finding, you know, ways that they've struggled that you've also struggled and seeing them as imperfect. I think that is something that's really important. So that, ladies and gentlemen, that's step three. So then how do we, how do we end this process? All right. So we're going to land this plane, Jess, with this (laughs) last tool here, this last step here. And, you know, I right here, I I said, now you concern yourself with you, as my mom says. And this is a really nice step where you write a sentence about yourself in the third person as if someone else were admiring you. So this is your time to toot your own horn, which may feel uncomfortable. It always does for me. But, you know, I'll take one for the team and give you guys an example that I give in the book. And I, I this is what I said. Katie is an awesome podcast host, really kills it on the ukulele, knows how to write a mean journal prompt, and has an adorable little dog. I don't have a little dog yet. That was aspirational, but I do want to get one. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's what I said to do. And I think writing a something positive about yourself in the third person as if you were an admirer, a mentee, a fan of yourself, I think is so beautiful and wonderful. So maybe everyone listening, we can challenge them to write a 140 character version of this sentence and tweet it at Jess and I and, you know, tell us why you're great. You know, even just in one sentence or one word, you know, I am 
really awesome at this one thing, right? And then tweet it at us and let us know and we will like the heck out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love this. uh, I really love this process. And again, we'll put it in the show notes. But this is, it changes everything when we go from comparing ourselves to other people to being inspired by others and, and seeing what makes us different. And I know that what I love about the work that you do, Katie, is everything you teach is something that you've experienced yourself. So I'm so happy that you were able to realize your own gifts Mm -hmm. and your own power and what made you unique. And uh, this has been fantastic. So thank you so much for being on the show. If people want to pick up your book, Let let It Out, uh, where can they find it? So it's at Barnes & Noble. It should be at all your bookstores. Somebody just Instagrammed me right before this that they got my book at their library. So, oh, that's awesome. So that was super cool. Um, but it's also on Amazon and Hay House. We have the same amazing publisher. So yeah, you can find it basically anywhere. And if you go into your bookstore and they don't have it or they're out, just ask them to order it. That helps you know helps us out as as authors a lot, and you know it helps get the book to more people. So Definitely. that would be that would be great. And then you can keep in touch with me, you know, on my website, it's just my name.com and on Snapchat and Instagram and everything. I'm at Katie Dalebout. Wonderful. And Katie, where can people find your podcast? Oh, yeah, that's that's a great question. So my podcast, I'm actually changing the name of my podcast, Jess. I don't know if I told you this. No, you didn't. Um, but I'm changing the name of the podcast from the Wellness Wonderland, which served me for a really long time and was really awesome. But I'm actually shifting the name to be called Let It Out with Katie Dalebout. So awesome. it's like to match my book. And I really like that because what I want people to do when they come on the show is really let it out, you know, let out everything about them and and really have this organic conversation. And, you know, I hope that you'll come back on the show because it's been so many years ago when you were last on it and let it out with me with the new title, but that's where they can find the show. Um, but also if you just like type my name into iTunes, it should come up. Um, but that's, that's what it will be called as of basically now. So new name. And if you sign up actually for my email list on my website, you get my Katie's favorite things. I always say that in my <laughs> Oprah voice. You know? um, but it's basically my my guide where you get, you know, all my favorite videos and people like Jess and books and podcasts and foods and places and everything that I love and this like comprehensive guide where I get to be a curator, which I really think it is my biggest gift. I, I look at myself. I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm, I'm no expert at all. I'm just an enthusiast and a curator of people and ideas. So that's what this guide is that you get when you, when you sign up. And then you'll be like in touch with me. So you'll know, you know, when the new podcast comes out, you know, when Jess is back on the show, all, everything. <laughs> awesome. Well, I will check it out as well. Katie, once again, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. 